Welcome to The Jesus Follower, a podcast about helping ordinary people be close to an extraordinary God. The goal? To help you experience the life you were designed to live in the good times, tough times, and in the moments that nobody else sees. All right. What a blessed time of worship, and we want to just continue in that. And if this morning you want to turn with us, we'll be in the book of John, chapter 3, this morning, a very, very popular passage. So if you want to go to John 3 and then mark a spot at Ezekiel 33, and we're going to kind of do our best this morning to tie both of those passages together as we, uh, as we answer the question together today, do they really know? That's our, that's our question of emphasis today. Do, do they really know? And it was, uh, I am really excited about the message. I'm generally excited uh, for the privilege and opportunity, but I, I'm really excited about the message today because, uh, you know, one of the things in the Army as an officer that, that we always, in our training, my job was uh, to get people ready to go out and, do, and, and work on the mission. Like, like the, the, the idea behind the officer, at least in the engineer branch of the military was, uh, and probably in other branches, the Air Force was probably the same. I can't speak to that effect, but there's a couple in here that probably could, uh, or maybe more than a couple. But uh, the idea was that we could explain what the mission was and explain what the practice was and what each role and job was so well that when they left there, they would go out and they would know exactly what they were supposed to do, and they would actually know it so thoroughly that they would know some other people's jobs in case they needed to step up and fill in a spot in case they weren't able to fulfill their duty. Uh, so, so this today is kind of on that same thread. When we go to John 3, and when I, when I was preparing for this message, I, I just spent some time with the Lord and said, Lord, what have you been teaching me this week? What have you been trying to show me? And the way that he brought it together, it's really exciting, and it's really a, 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 really a training session in a sense for us this morning that God has lined out for us this week. Uh, and, I, and I'll tell you just a little bit briefly about how that came into be, but uh, I was blessed to visit with uh, Joan, Miss Joan this week in the hospital, Miss Joan and Linda. And, and uh, I, in the process of that, you know, a lot of times when we go visit folks, we think that, well, you know, we go with the idea that we want to be a blessing to them. And usually we come out more blessed than anything. And, and, and what, we, what ended up happening in that visit was I had the opportunity, and I know many of you know Miss Joan, but I had the, the opportunity to, to hear a bit of a testimony. And the testimony, and I don't even know what her what Linda's dad's name was. Dave, help me. Bo, okay, I heard it from multiple places. So you all know, okay, great. Uh, so I, began, I was in there and they started sharing the testimony of Bo with me. And, and, and the testimony of Bo was just so powerful that it was like it's moving to tears because Bo's testimony, even though I don't know his name, what I do know is that he was a soul winner. And, and that was, that was the, the, the thing that was left behind about Bo. And so we were in there and we were sharing, you know, from the moment that he gave his life to Jesus, how that was his mission to just be a soul winner. So he was so concerned about his family, so concerned about the community. He just wanted to lead people to Christ. Those of you that know him, do you remember him that way? Yes, Dave? 
Yes? Just a soul winner. And I was like, wow, you know, that is, that is an incredible, incredible testimony to leave behind that this person really just wanted people to come to know Jesus. I was like, man, that, that could be a testimony for all of us, right? That's a, the heart's desire that we would leave a testimony like that behind. And then, uh, you know, throughout the, the process of the week that I was blessed to have an opportunity to share my faith with someone. There was another one in this room that had the opportunity to share their faith with someone. And I had the opportunity to just see that God was just really revealing the necessity of us being, like Bo, soul winners. And so, to this morning, we're going to talk about what that process looks like of being a soul winner. And you know, a lot of times, I think, you know, we, we sometimes uh, believe or just operate, and I was sharing with Miss Janet this morning, just operate under this assumption that everybody knows. Has anyone ever been guilty of that, or is that just me? Like, I, uh, there's just people that I just assume know Jesus, know what it means to follow him, know what the process is of salvation. I just assume that when I go up to people and I say, hey, have you been born again, that they automatically understand what I'm talking about? Or, hey, you want to accept Jesus, they automatically know what that means. But one of the things that God's revealing to me is that that is actually not the case. You know, when we describe salvation in our church terminology, it actually, I think, uh, becomes very confusing for people to understand what that really means. I mean, have you ever experienced that? Like when you go up to somebody and you ask them, hey, do you want to accept Jesus into your heart? Or do you want to be saved? And you get that deer in the headlights look as to like, I, I feel like I should want to do what you're saying, but I don't know what you're saying to me. Has anyone ever been there? Uh, and so, so I, 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 I found myself at that place, and, and a lot of times I think sometimes we, we, we shy away because that person, a lot of times when you ask them the question, they're going to have follow-up questions for you because they don't understand. And sometimes in those follow-up questions, uh, I'm, I'm going to want to be close to you today, but I'm going to try to refrain, okay? So I'm going to veer, but then I'm going to pull back, all right? So you'll see that. It's an accordion style this morning. Uh, but, uh, but some of the times in, the, in that process of, uh, of trying to share our faith, we kind of shy away from it because we know that there's going to be a follow-up question possibly. And during the follow-up question, we don't always know how to answer the follow-up question. Has anyone ever been there? Um, and so, so this morning, what I want to help us to do and what God has showed me, I want to share with you and, and just share with you some tools to help you be soul winners, to help you be ready for the follow-up question and know what the process is like for you to walk someone, introduce someone effectively to Jesus so that when they leave the conversation, they know what decision they need to make, they know what it looks like, and they can take off from that point and step toward Jesus in a lifelong journey in relationship with him. Does that make sense? So in John chapter 3, we find ourselves reading about this fellow that comes to Jesus, and we, we know this story probably very well. We've read it multiple times, and his name is Nicodemus. Uh, and Nicodemus is, is a guy, and, and he's one of the guys that would follow under my umbrella of assumption, like assuming he knows, assuming he understands, because he's a religious leader, and naturally my mind would go to, yes, he understands. But did Nicodemus understand? Nicodemus doesn't understand, right? I mean, I mean, it's very clear as we get into John 3, we see that, that, that he comes to Jesus and he is curious. And, and in this process of sharing our faith, we want to just follow the example of the greatest one. 
And one of the beauties of Jesus is that Jesus not only was good at speaking truth, he was good at speaking truth in love, he was always looking to bring people into a relationship with God by sharing truth with them. And so it's kind of a mental adjustment a little bit, right? Because in my life and in my ministry, most of the time, and I've shared this before, it's easier to invite someone to church than it is to tell them about Jesus. Because you can invite people to church and you can get a definitive answer right then and there's usually not a follow-up question. It's yes, I may come. Usually it, it may be if they're, if they're trying to be Christian, they may say yes, I may come whether they intend to or not, right? Just to be nice. Uh, but they're going to give you a yes or no answer probably or a maybe. And, and a lot of times we are, we are comfortable with that. But when it comes to sharing our faith with someone, it's a longer discussion and it may be a lot more challenging for us to walk through that process. Um, and so in my ministry and in door-to-door evangelism and witnessing, a lot of times I've stopped with, you want to come to church. And I can tell you from my experience, most of the time that ends with them doing what? Not coming to church, right? <laughs> you know, there's been a lot of people, and you all probably been there, that have invited multiple people to church, and they may or may not have come. And, I, and as the God, God opens His Word and reveals truth to me, it's this realization that it's, it's more important that I leave them with Jesus than just a church invitation. Does that make sense? And so that's what, that's what we want to transition our thought to that concept. Like, and VBS is coming up, and mission trips are coming up, and a lot of stuff is coming up, and we want to be thinking this one thing. This is what we want to leave with people. We want people to meet Jesus. And so in our conversation and in our evangelism and in our ministries, our goal and our effort is that. We want them to leave meeting Jesus. Whether or not that they make a decision or not, whether or not they fully understand every detail. I mean, we may not understand every detail, but at the end of the day when we leave, we want them to have met the Savior. So our mission and our goal is this. We want to introduce people to Jesus. Now, now, I'm not saying asking people to come to church is wrong. Asking people to come to church is great. That is a great thing to do. I hope you will invite your family. I hope you invite your friends. But more than just the pastor or a leader at the church telling them about Jesus, I want every single one of you in here that know him to go out and to introduce people to Jesus. I mean, because that's what we're called to do as ambassadors, right? And, and so John, we see, he comes to Jesus in a kind of a secretive way in John 3. And let's just pick up and read the first couple of verses here. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with you. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And the first thing I want you to see about this is even those we assume know don't always know. Right? I mean, I mean even in the, in, the, in the context of Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a, a leader, was a spiritual guide to the people. He was the one that you would imagine that everybody could run to and he would tell them the direction and the truth that they needed to know. But he came to Jesus secretly by night and, and he wanted to meet and try to figure out more about him. And we see even in his... His conversation with him, he calls him, there are a teacher come from God because of the miracles. So we know that Nicodemus doesn't really know fully 
all that Jesus was about, and he, he was coming to try to figure it out. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people that even sit in church every week, I think, that may not really know fully all that Jesus is about, right? There's been a lot of people in my life that has really surprised me that have, have gotten saved, and I, I worked under the assumption that they were already saved uh, because I just never asked. I just never took the next step to make sure that they knew that they knew where they were with Jesus Christ. And so in Ezekiel 33, uh, you know, God gives us this, jo- gives Ezekiel this job title. I want, you, I want us to look at that just briefly. Do y'all, y'all know what I'm going to say, right? You know what the job title that God gave Ezekiel? Someone say it out loud if you know it. A watchman. I heard someone who said that. Miss Jane? Yeah. A watchman is the job title. And I love that job title because I think that it, with us, our, our call to be ambassadors for him, I just really like the concept. And I'm someone that deals in the realm of illustration. And so that's kind of how my mind works it out when it comes to sharing my faith is, is how can I illustrate it so that when they leave, they really understand. I don't want to leave them with just, just, know, just hearing the words. I want them to understand what it really means. And so Ezekiel, you know, was a prophet of God, and the prophets of God sometimes had really hard jobs. Oftentimes they had really hard jobs. You think of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, right? Like they had really hard jobs because the prophets were given a call to share what the people did not want to hear. The prophets were given a call to share the truth, and they didn't want to hear the truth, and Ezekiel was not exempt from that. As a matter of fact, God said, Ezekiel, you are to be a watchman. Look at what he says in verse number 1 of Ezekiel 33. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if then he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning if the sword come and take him away his blood shall be upon his own head he heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning his blood shall be upon him but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul but if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned if the sword come and take any person from among them he is taken away in his iniquity but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand so thou, O son of man, I have, not, I have set thee a watchman into the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. And so when I think about that concept of the watchman, look, let's, let's look at this. So his job was to sit on top of the wall. We talked about this before probably. And, and if he sees the enemy coming, if he sees the sword coming, if he sees danger coming, what was he to do? Just blow a little whistle? No, yes, yes, you want, you want to make sure that everybody can hear you. You want to yell it or, or blow the trumpet or make people aware that there is something coming that is dangerous. You want them to be, to be alert and on guard and prepared for what is coming. And if you think about it in the context of our life today, do you and I know what's coming? Yes, right? We know eternity's coming. We know that every single person is going to spend eternity in one place or the other, Yes. They're going to go to heaven or hell, yes? And who makes the difference in that? Jesus, right? Like he is the difference. So you and I, effectively, just like Ezekiel, we can look at our ambassadorship and our representation, and really the reality is we can look across the landscape and we can say to people, there is danger coming, right? 
There, there, there is danger coming. Like, like we can look at the shape of the world and we can see that there are dangers coming. We can understand that for that person that doesn't know Jesus, that there is danger coming. We can look and see on the horizon that there is a need for the people of God today to blow the trumpet. Right? To, to, to shout out, to sound out, and to say, look, hey, there, there is an eternity that is awaiting you at one place or the other. But the good news about this is there is a rescuer that has already come and died and rose again to pay your price so that you can be redeemed and your eternity can be spent with Jesus and not apart from God for all eternity. So, so when I look at Ezekiel and I look at the concept of ambassadorship, I see that you and I, we must be a voice. And there was two parts for, of, of Ezekiel's calling. One part was identifying the problem, right? You got to see the sword coming. You and I, it's easy for us to say, yeah, there, there is a heaven and hell. Yes, Jesus is a big deal. It's easy for you and I to sit in the church sometimes and hear about Jesus and understand what the word comes. But there's a second part of that equation. You've got to sound out in response to it. You know, it, he didn't say to Ezekiel as a watchman, just know that the problem is there. He said, you've got to let the people know. You got to make them aware. You got to make sure they're prepared so that when the enemy comes, because Ezekiel, if you don't make them aware, if you're, they're not prepared and they die, then their blood is going to be on your hands because you are the watchman. And so, church, I would say this for us as born again believers in Jesus Christ we know that there is eternity that lies in the balance. We know that there is a, is, a, is a great, important mission. We are called to be ambassadors, we are called to represent Jesus. But just knowing that is not enough, we've got to be a voice to those that are in danger in the world around us. We've got to be a voice of truth. We've got to be willing to sound the trumpet. We've got to be willing to cry out. And, and I'll tell you on my own, it's easier for us to just be a small voice. It's easier for us to just invite this way. It's easy for us to kind of bypass or just hang something. or just. But we are called as ambassadors to be a voice for Jesus Christ. To be an example for Jesus Christ. But he even told Ezekiel in this process, he said, Here, here's, here's what people are going to do. If you look there in Ezekiel 33, all the way at the end of the chapter, kind of uh, there in verse number 30, he says this to him. Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the house and speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh from the, forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth, now listen to this, look at this, for with their mouth they shew much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, uh, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear thy words, but they do not do them. So who does that sound like? You know, they, they like to hear Ezekiel. They like to listen. They like the, the way he played music. And they were more than willing to sit there. But God said, but they're not going to do what you tell them, what you say. 
You know, it, it, it's, it's two different, completely different components, isn't it? It's one thing to, to come and to learn and to be trained, but it's another thing to actually speak it out or to step out. And, you know, in the Army training, that was the thing, is that we had to learn it because we knew it was going to be our task to train others to go. And at the end of the day, it could be life or death, depending on how well they knew their task. And I think we have to say the same thing. Like, it's not enough. It's good to know, but we, we have to be ready to go. We have to be thinking eternity. We have to be thinking spiritual. We have to be looking for opportunities to share faith because there, are, there is a world that needs to hear. So let me ask you this, and I don't want, this is a rhetorical question. When was the last time that you shared the gospel of Jesus from him coming his birth his death for the sin, his, his resurrection, that you shared the full gospel message with someone and was able to walk them into a relationship or at best into a, or at least into a, a, a more of a knowledge of Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm talking one-on-one -on -one level. You know, a lot of times I go into to schools and stuff, and you, you can share, you know, you can share to the masses. But, I, you know, it's different me standing up here and preaching to you. It, it, it's different than if you were to come face-to-face -face and we had that discussion, right? Because while I'm preaching to you, you know, a lot of you may not uh, stand up and ask me a question in the middle of the sermon. But if I'm talking to you face-to-face, -face, everything's open then, isn't it? So, so the challenge, I'm going I'm to challenge you today, but I'm doing it in love, okay? The challenge is, is for you to think through, when was the last time you shared Jesus with someone? I'm not talking as much as inviting people. I'm, not I'm saying, when was the last time you sat across from somebody and you shared your faith? When was the last time you walked, knocked on the door of someone and you shared about Jesus Christ and your relationship? When was the last time that you purposefully went out for the mission of being an ambassador, hoping that you would leave that person meeting Jesus for the very first time? And I'm going to be honest with you. There's been times I've been asked that question that I was very convicted about my answer to that question. There's been times that I've been asked that question. There was a pastor that came and preached at New Victory Baptist Church one time, and he, kept, he stood up there and he was talking about how many people he had led to the Lord. He was talking about how many times he shared his faith, and I was convicted to the core because I wasn't there, and I wasn't doing what I should have been doing for, for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There have been times in my life where I've been satisfied with a lot less than going out and being a mouthpiece for Christ. And so the challenge for us today is this. If, you, if you're sitting there today and you say, well, it's been a long time since I've really had that conversation. I would say this to you. There, it's most assuredly there's been times where you have met with someone that needed to hear that conversation, right? Most assuredly, there has been someone in your life that may even be, have claimed to be a Christian. I mean, even those that have been in church, it's not a bad thing to share the gospel with those that have been in church either, right? Because we really don't know where their heart is until, unless we know them personally. And so if, if you are sitting here today and you say, well, hey, it's been a long time. I just want to challenge you and encourage you with this message that there is a lost and dying world out there that needs to hear the trumpet. They need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to hear about salvation because if they don't hear it from his children, where are they going to hear it? They, they need to hear it. If you and I don't teach them the truth, the culture will teach them their version of relative truth. Not just our kids, but also adults as well. 
If you and I don't get into the Word and see what it has to tell us about Jesus, the culture will teach us about what the Bible says about truth and what is truth. The culture will mold and will form if we don't stay connected to the real and absolute truth. And so let's look at how Jesus does it with Nicodemus. I mean, if, if we're honest with ourselves and, and we, let's put ourselves in this scenario and we're Jesus and this religious leader comes up to us and we, we, we present this to him this way. We say, uh, you must be born again. And Nicodemus comes back with the question that we know he does. He says to them, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into second time into his mother's womb and be born? What would we say to Nicodemus if you were in that situation? Do you have a solid answer for that question? Because this is just the first round of questioning for Nicodemus. He doesn't stop here. So, so for, for, for us today, for just a, an exercise today, process through that. All right, so you're, you're sharing your faith with someone. And let's be honest, if we say to someone in the world, you must be born again, is there a pretty good chance they're not going to understand that? Sure, right? Like this answer from Nicodemus isn't a crazy answer. It's just that he's a, a religious leader. And we look at that and we're like, man, that's kind of crazy for someone that we would expect and assume knows better. But in the world, you know, they're, they're, if you say to somebody, you must be born again, they probably aren't going to understand what that means. And so if we process through that, you're going up and sharing your faith because Lord willing, you leave here, maybe you're already doing it, but you leave here fired up today and you're looking for opportunity and you're praying for open doors and you're saying, God, show me where I can share Jesus. And you go out very diligent and adamant and ready and on fire and you come up to that person and you start sharing Jesus and they say, well, how can you be born again? You enter into your mother's womb the second time. How many of us in here would be thrown off by, this, by the question? How many is thrown off by a round of question when you start sharing Jesus? Anybody? Yeah, I see head nods. Okay. Yeah, so, so Jesus, as the perfect Savior, as the greatest evangelist, greatest teller of truth, you know, Jesus is just going to dig in a little farther. And in verse number five, this is what Jesus says. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so what Jesus is going to try to do is he's going to try to transition Nicodemus' thought process from the physical to the spiritual. Because when we talk about salvation, salvation, a lot of times we're not thinking meeting Jesus as much as we are checking boxes of the steps that folks are supposed to go through. Does that make sense? Like to be saved, you have to repeat a prayer and the prayer has to sound just like this. Like, isn't that the way we think? Like, like, like we, we have a certain way, we have our ABCs, we have our different things, and we say these are, the, these are the, 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 the check boxes that we have to do to get people to meet Jesus, but that's not really how Jesus did it, Right? Jesus was all about transitioning a thought from the, from the fleshly to the spiritual. And so he says, he gets to the spirit right here, right after Nicodemus' question, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So let me ask you this question. What does that mean? It's beautiful how this ties together. Who, who, who baptized with water for remission of sins? John the Baptist did, right? And who was going to be the one that would be greater than him, that would come later, whose sandals he's not even worthy to fasten, who was going to baptize with the Spirit? 
Jesus, right? So what Jesus does is he, he basically goes straight to salvation, right? He's like, it's star the water. Nicodemus would have understood because Nicodemus would have experienced what John was doing or certainly have heard about it. He would have known that remission of sins and John's baptism. He would have understood the process of water. And then Jesus was coming with the transformation in the spirit of God that would transform that soul and that life. Do you see that? That's incredible, isn't it? Um, and so, so Jesus digs in and he begins that transition. And for me, I think when it comes to sharing our faith, the goal is I want them to see Jesus. I'm going to say that over and over again. I want them to meet Jesus. Jesus says, I want, him to, I want him to see the spiritual. Verse number six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So everyone that is born of the Spirit, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And in verse number 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Second round of question. So I want people, we want people to meet Jesus. And when I was thinking about this, I want to, I want to share with you um, something that God has shared with me about sharing your faith with others. And as I was thinking about this, I actually used, uh, when I was practicing and I shared this, Harry and Janet in the back popped up. I already told Janet this, I warned her, uh, popped up. You all know that the more that I know you, the greater tendency that you will be an illustration in something, right? Just, just so you're, you're ready for that, because that's just the way that it works, because my mind works in illustration. But I, I was thinking about just the, I see Miss Katie and Kip, uh, I was thinking about just the people that are, are in this room. And, and the beauty in that is that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a transplant in this area, right? I am Kentucky born, you know, not born, but uh, mainly bred and developed, and, and, and so Kentucky is in my heart. And, and so when I came here, the beauty in that is this, I knew no one here. I didn't know your past. I didn't know mistakes you had made. The only thing I knew about you, if you were redeemed, is what you were now in Jesus Christ. Do you know how beautiful of a picture that is? And, and, and you know, at, at first glance, a lot of times, you know, I was thinking about this process. It's like, you know, a lot of times at first glance, you know, you know very little about anybody. I sometimes have a hard time remembering names. Does anyone else have a hard time remembering names? And so I may not even remember your name. I may just remember your face. So very little. But the one beautiful thing is that I don't know anything about your past mistakes. All I know is who you are now in Jesus Christ after you've been redeemed. Isn't that incredible? That's the way Jesus sees it when he forgives us, I believe. He, he forgets about it, and he loves us just that way. And, and so when I came here, and I'll use Harry and Janet since I've already opened up here. And I, and I first came out, uh, here, here was my relationship with Harry and Janet. I didn't know what ministry they were in. I didn't know what their testimony was. I had no spiritual intimacy with them. All I knew, if I could remember that, was that that fellow there that has a wonderful head of hair is named Harry. And he is married to this lady that's named Janet. And that was the beginning of my relationship with Harry and Janet. You see, when it comes to Jesus, we can, we can relate it to just that way, right? Like we want people to just meet Jesus. And at the beginning of that meeting, they may not know everything about him. They may only know that his name is Jesus. He supposedly rose from the dead. He died in our place. And he sounds like Nicodemus knew, amazing, like awesome. But that may be all that it is. But that's the beginning of a journey with Christ, isn't it? 
And so when I, when I, when I met Harry and Janet, uh, I didn't know much about Harry and Janet. But since then, what happened was we started to walk for Jesus together. And you know, there is a special bond when you walk together with someone for Jesus, isn't there? I mean, the, the way that God brings you together, the, the, the way that God brings about just a, a relationship that is deeper than just the fleshly, like, like a true intimacy spiritually together as you watch what Jesus does around you together. I mean, it's just an incredible thing. So what I learned about Harry and Janet was that not only is there, does he have a beautiful head of hair and his name is Harry and he's married to Janet, but he also used to be a wrestler and, 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 and that they also are a teacher or leaders of next steps and that they also are very outspoken about Jesus in their day-to-day life and that they, they love him very like I learned all these things about them and our relationship transformed from from just an acquaintance and knowing a name to much much more than that you see when it comes to sharing Jesus the first step in doing that it's not checking boxes it's just introducing someone to who he is. You see, like, if I was to introduce Harry and Janet to someone today, it would sound different than when I introduced Harry and Janet to someone when I came four years ago. Why? Because I know them better, right? And so, so I'm going to be able to, to, to speak intelligently about their life. I'm going to be able to talk about Harry, that, that Harry is more than just a beautiful head of hair. Like, I'm going to be able to go much deeper than what I was at the very beginning. Like, I'm going to be able to speak, and, inter, and my introduction of them is going to be monumentally better today than it would have been when I first came four years ago, like it would be with so many of you out there, because God has given me the privilege to serve Jesus with you day after day, week after week, I mean, for for multiple years. And you see, Christian, for you and I, when it comes to, I said last week, the most important thing is your intimacy with Christ, because out of your intimacy with Christ comes a greater introduction to the lost and dying world of who he is. Because you know him better. Because you see what what he has done for your life. Because you have walked with him. And so now you are just talking. See, I'm wanting to get back there. Now you are just talking. You are just talking about him. You are just sharing your relationship with him. You don't have to use words like saved. You don't have to use words like born again. You just go up to people and you say, hey, I want to introduce you to the greatest person I have ever met. And here's who he is. This is what he's about. And you go about it that way. Because when you can go about it that way, you can speak for days as, as you grow closer to him about who he is, about your relationship, about what he's done. And you don't have to, you know, don't look at it as I need to say certain words or, or, or follow these guidelines necessarily. You go to people and you just tell them about who he is, what he's done for you. And I think that's the first step, and that's what Jesus, he's trying to get him to see, that spiritual component, that spiritual side to things. But so many times we we get caught up in church vocabulary and church words that can be confusing to a lost and dying world. So instead, let's just tell them about our relationship with him. I use my wife as an example for this, and I'm afraid she'd be very disappointed if I didn't do that again. When my, when my wife and I met in sixth grade, it was a very, very professional meeting. 
Um, see, in Kentucky, we, uh, we greet one another by putting our shoe on the other person's desk and asking them to tie our shoe. In sixth grade, yeah. And so, you know, she, uh, I was, you know, I was this bald-headed guy at the time, reeked of coolness, I'm sure, not really, and um, showed up at her school in sixth grade, and our first greeting was, one of our first greetings was, will you tie my shoe? All the rest was history, not really, <laughs> okay, but will you tie? So, so I can tell you that uh, when, I, when I met her, uh, when I met her in sixth grade, uh, my, my knowledge and my understanding and my ability to speak intelligently and all those things were definitely not what they are today. They, they are much better today. I can even tell you the honorary moments that are there today where I couldn't have done that then because I didn't know. Like I can, I know it much, not that there are any, by the way, I'm not going to, there may be, but, uh, but I know her much better 16 years after being married because we've walked together. We've, we've lived life together. We've been in ministry together. We've experienced things together. We've watched Jesus provide when we didn't know where provision would come. We've seen God do the miraculous when we didn't know where healing would come. We have just grown. Christ has grown us in this incredible bond with one another to which now that if, I, if I'm able to, I'm going to hold it together. If I'm able to talk about her, I can talk about her incredibly intelligently and I can talk about her with a tremendous amount of love because we, I have, have experienced life with her in such a way and we have this relationship that is incredible, and it's only incredible because of who God is in that relationship, and it's just such an amazing thing. But I want to tell you that even that is not where we need to be with Jesus. Jesus is so much greater than even that, right? Like, like the, the salvation and the redemption and the risen Savior, the forgiveness of sins, all that Christ has done, the example that he sets, eternity is all so amazing. And as we grow in intimacy with him, Oh, what a privilege to go out and share him with the world around us. Oh, how we can go and be ambassadors and watchmen for the wonderful, wonderful Savior that you and I are privileged to serve. But it has nothing to do, it's not just a preacher or a teacher's job. You grow in intimacy as you spend time with him. And then as you spend time with him and your intimacy grows, it's not going to be so much, oh, I hope that I get it. It's going to be, I'm going to find an opportunity to share about the one that I'm most in love with out of everything else in my life. Amen. And out of that love overflowing comes a, a watchman or ambassador voice that sounds the alarm, that shares the truth, that goes with fire and desire to just introduce as many people as you can to the one you love the most, Jesus Christ. And so, so Nicodemus and Jesus, he's explaining this to him and, 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 he, and he's trying to get him to understand And Nicodemus is still questioning. In verse number nine, he says, he answered and said unto him, how can these things be? And, and Jesus answered and said unto him, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? And let me tell you, there were, there were maybe people sitting here today that have been in church their whole life and would not understand these very important things. And I can assure you that there are people you probably rub shoulders with each week that are living in the world that also don't understand these very basic things. 
And as you watch Paul, when Paul went on his missionary journeys, as you watch a lot of the people in the scriptures, their main thing when they went, they were going to preach the gospel. Why? Because a lot of people just really don't understand. And we, we live and walk with this assumption that everybody knows, but that's not always the case. And Jesus, even with Nicodemus, how can you be a leader and not understand these things? But I've shared this story multiple times. I had a, a lady in the nursing home service that we had back in Kentucky. And when I went to the nursing home in a, in a church, a, a town filled with as many churches as we have back home, I went into the nursing home assuming that all those people that were coming to those services knew Jesus. And one lady who ended up going home to be with Jesus two or three weeks later shared a message with our group. We got to the end of service and I, we were closing things out. She said, she said, don't you ever fail to give an invitation no matter where you are because you don't know where people stand with Jesus. And like I said, God brought her home a couple weeks later. But would you know that at that nursing home there was an 80-some-year-old man that ended up giving his life to Jesus Christ. And you say, you know, how many times do we, do we, do we pass by our friends that, that say cliche statements like, I go to church or I believe and we never really dig any deeper. We become satisfied with, oh, they understand. Or, or, or we go to, go to pass by someone and, and they say something positive and we think, oh, well, they're speaking positive things. So we, we probably don't need to share any further because they probably have a good idea. Or, or we pass by someone and they even claim that they've been baptized at some point and, and we don't dig into that and we don't ask any further because... We're like, well, baptism is a good thing, so they must be okay. And all these opportunities that God may be bringing our way, that he's saying, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper, ask the question, make sure they know, because a lot of people in the world will say they've been baptized, but salvation isn't connected to that. A lot of people in the world will say they believe in God, but Jesus Christ may not be connected to that. A lot of people in the world may do a lot of good things, but they do good things on their own account and not for the glory of God because they're desperate in love with him. Each one of those situations says, go deeper, church. Go deeper, believer. Ask the questions. Do you know him? If you don't know him, do you walk with him? Do you live with him? If you don't, hey, that's our opportunity. We can introduce them to Jesus and help them to know what it means to walk beside of him. So Jesus says this after the further question. He says in verse number 11, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever, this is a very, we know this part for sure, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. This is, this is, the, this is the message here, isn't it? For God in one verse so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And then so after Jesus goes through this explanation and Nicodemus is asking the question, he said, look, here's the situation. God loves the world so much that he didn't want to leave the world in the lost state that they're in. 
God loves, like, like that, that's the situation. You know, we live in a world that loves to say that God is love. And that is true. He is love above and beyond what we can comprehend or know. But he loves so much that he's going to tell the truth about our condition as mankind. We are sinners. And we fall short of the glory of God. But God doesn't want, 2 Peter 3, 9 said, God is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. To us, we're not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Over and over again in the scripture, God says, I love you, I love you, I love you. You have fell short of the glory of God. You have made mistakes, but I love you. I, I, I want you to know me. I want you to be saved. I want you to be redeemed. And so God's love is so incredible that he says, look, I don't want anybody to perish, but I want everybody to come to repentance. And so Jesus brings Nicodemus to that place, and he just says, here is the God, here's what it's all about. It's about the love of God for you and for me. So, so church, let me, let me challenge you with this. I believe God has challenged me with this. And I would be glad to talk to you about this. Don't let the further questions scare you away from sharing the gospel with people of Jesus Christ. Because, it, it, you know, I had, I had an encounter myself this week, and, and, and in this particular encounter, there was a lot of questions that were asked about what salvation was all about. And a lot of times I find myself going into that scenario and feeling like a deer in the headlights when these random, you know, these questions, you know, this particular one was asking about following the, the Ten Commandments and checking boxes. He was asking about all these other things, and I was like, man, I, I was not expecting any of that. I just wanted to share Jesus. Like, I just... I just expected to share and you would just say yeah because he's so awesome but they don't know him that way and so it was a process of walking beside of them and there are moments in the process where you and I will have a tendency to panic where you and I will say you know what I, I'm not sure I'll answer it right so I may not say it but let me say this God is strong in our weaknesses. So, so even though I found it, you and I may not have the answers, it's best if it's God's answer anyway. So, so even if you get in there and they begin to ask you questions, because really our challenge and our commission is to go and to make disciples. Our challenge and our commission is to be ambassadors. We are to be voices. We are to be, you know, to, to represent Christ everywhere. And even, even if we go and we get in that situation and someone begins to ask questions and your natural tendency may be, well, let me, let me go ask someone else that may know. But I'll tell you this. There are many questions that I don't know the answer to. But there's never been a time where the Father has failed to give me what was needed. And I want to tell you that. Because our natural tendency in the world today, I think, is to, is to just invite to church. is to just stop short of really the heart and the root of the matter. And that is, where do you stand with Jesus? Do you know Jesus? But I want you to say, you know, it's so amazing that Andrew read the verses that he did. God has not given us the spirit of fear, 
We don't have to be afraid, right? Like, like he said, like in that moment, he talks about in the gospels, like I'll give you the words to say. And how many of us have been in a conversation with someone and we're grasping and we're thinking, and, and something comes out and we're like, I have no idea. We know where it comes from. But we're like, I was not planning on saying that. I was not ready for that. I was not prepared for that. But God is always ready, right? The spirit of God is always alive in the life of his people. And when we say, hey, we're not ready for that. We don't know if we've got it. God will come alive and he'll say, yes, here it is the answer. So I think, I think God would challenge his church today. And he would challenge his church this way. Are you sharing Christ with the world around you? Very specifically, are you sharing Christ are you sharing the gospel? I'm not, we're not talking about just, just bare minimum, and I've done this, and I'm guilty of this. I will go up and say, do you believe? But you've got to go more than that, right? Agnostics believe in a higher power. A lot of other religions don't have a problem believe, saying they believe in God. But we want to get very specific with it. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died in our place to pay our price, who they put in a tomb, and he rose again the third day. Not that he's a prophet, not that he's a good teacher, but he is the savior of the world, the son of the almighty God of the universe. The one that is seated on the right hand of the Father today. We, I think God is challenging us today to, 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 to look at our life. When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? When was the last time you got into a conversation with someone with the intention of, I'm not just inviting, I'm not just settling, I'm going to get into Jesus and I'm going to tell you about my Jesus. When was the last time? Because I think that God has called us all to be gospel lights in the world around us. Wouldn't you say that? And I don't know where you are today, but I can tell you that God this week specifically has taught me a lot, I feel like, about just how important, just has brought back to my mind just how important that is. That we don't settle for just the, uh, the common things, but that we are willing to dig in there and to make sure that people know that they know that they know. Because there are Nicodemuses in our world today that are very religious, that are very faithful to the church, but that may not be walking personally with a Savior. And we don't ever want to take for granted the fact that, that everybody needs you. We don't ever want to take for granted the fact that there may be some in our midst that don't know. The challenge for us this morning, are you being a voice for Jesus in your relationships and in the world around you? Because there's a lot of times that I ask people uh, about friends and I say, do you, do, does your friend know Jesus? And guess what their answer is? I don't know. Why would that not be the first thing that we find out? There's a lot of people that I've talked to that's been in dating relationships, and I ask them, does the other one know Jesus? And guess what their answer is? I don't know. And granted, I've spent a lot of time with this crowd up here, but that's, that's the most important thing that we can ever know about someone else is do they know Jesus? Let's not operate on assumption in our lives and in our witness, but the challenge for us is this. We need to be telling the world about Jesus. 
We need to be willing to go deeper. We need to be ready and understand that there are, are times, just like Nicodemus did, where we may be challenged in our faith. But listen, we don't rely on our strength and our ability. We rely on the one that's on the throne. We rely on his, his guidance and his faithfulness and, what, and him doing. We can't save anybody. Only he can. So the whole process is we're relying on him. We're leading on him. And we're looking for opportunity to share him with the world. So as we stand this morning, heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's stand together. And, and, and I, I just pray and I ask you to allow the word of God to just be alive in your life. We looked at the example of our leader and our king on how it's done when it comes to sharing truth, sharing our faith with those religious or not that may not truly understand. And, and, I, and I want you today to think about that question. When was the last time you shared Jesus with somebody? And if you can say, hey, Brother Daniel, it has been a long time. I actually can't remember the last time that I shared my faith. You know, we had a pastor, isn't Pastor Courtney, that was here. And he asked me a question and he said, is everybody around this church saved? Is all the communities filled with people that are, uh, are saved? And he kind of caught me off guard with that. And we all know the answer to that question is no. And you know, we were, we were at a missions meeting this week and you know, it was just a, a, another reminder that we're getting ready to go to Jamaica and we're getting ready to share Jesus through VBSs, share the gospel with adults. We're getting ready to do that together for His glory. But even bigger than that, we're called to do that here each and every day for His glory. We're called to do that on the mission field right around the church. We're called to do that wherever we may find ourselves. Where you go to work, it's your job. We're called to do that there. Every place that we go, we, we should be telling people about our first and greatest love. You know, I believe that if we ever met Paul in the scripture, that the one thing we would remember about Paul or certainly hear about was his Jesus. When I was told a testimony about Bo, I was reminded, you know, he left behind this testimony of, you know, he just wanted people to come to know Jesus. He was a, he was a soul winner. And really it challenges me and it challenges us all because it's like, is that what people know about us? Is that, is that what our life and our conversation is all about? Is that where our heart is? Is our first and truest love Jesus? And can that be told by the world around us by how we live and talk about him? And if it's not, and at times in my life it definitely hasn't been and I can still improve, I would say it's probably not okay. Jesus is the, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the greatest one that will ever be. The only one that has given his life for you and for the world. I don't know where you are with him today, but I believe God is calling his church to be a voice in the world around of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you being that voice? is the invitation today, the question today. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you today. I thank you for this word. I thank you for your truth. Lord, you know my prayer is so often this, just help people to see you. 
Lord, I feel like so many times when it comes to sharing our faith or sharing the gospel, we get so caught up in, in so many details, so many church words, so many boxes to check. But King Jesus, I believe that when people really meet you, they can't help but be changed by that. Lord, help it to be our heart's mission as your church, King Jesus, to introduce as many people as we can to you, our great Savior and Lord. Not to shy away for fears or for other reasons, busyness, but to set it in our heart and in our mind and in our relationship with you. That if we leave people with anything, we want to leave them with you. Lord Jesus, give us that drive. Help us to just see clearer who you are. And we just love you. Thank you for the privilege. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.